That's a sincere call. To come home. And for one or two or a half a dozen of you sitting here this evening. That's Jesus calling you. Come home. It's as if he is walking up and down these aisles. Looking for for you. And he sees you and says, come on home. He's really welcoming you to himself, back into his family. Let's talk to him a moment and ask him to do just that. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence, which is real and powerful and personal. And just as we have heard sung to us, so we ask you to say to us and speak to us, Lord, as if just to each one, that we may hear you calling us to yourself, see you welcoming us. So take my lips right now, Lord Jesus, and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, this Christmas tide. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, one thing is absolutely certain, that the whole of the Christian faith is predicated on God's supernatural intervention into history, into space and time, stepping out of eternity and into the reality of our day-to-day life and speaking to us, revealing himself to us, taking action amongst us, so that we, in fact, may be called home to him. Let me take you through the text, just so that we can hammer that nail well in, concerning the supernatural event that the birth of Jesus was in its day, and still is, to us today. I put this in the context of so many efforts over so many years for whether it's theologians or philosophers or ordinary folks like us trying to take the Christian faith and reduce it to human proportions. Trying to take the miraculous, the miracles out of the Gospels and interpret them as something explicable by normal human circumstances. And in so doing, the effort is maybe to help more people to come in, but the reality is that when you take the supernatural out of Christianity, you have nothing left. Nothing that's worth giving your life to, 
nothing that's worth singing about. It's just an empty, hollow shell of human imagination as against the, the cutting edge of our real existence because God is the focus of it. Follow along with me and, and realize again that there is no apology, no evasion of the supernatural. It says in the sixth month, that may well be of Elizabeth's pregnancy, a cousin to Mary. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel. Here you've got God Almighty sending an angel. No apology. Because it's real. It's what happened. God sent an angel. Named Gabriel. So this isn't just any old angel. This is the angel Gabriel. Sent him to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, of course, we know the story. But when it mentions twice already that she's a virgin, it creates a context that here is a young woman who has not had sexual relationships and would not expect to get the message that we know is coming. So that is already a direct hint at the miracle, the supernatural event that's going to take place. So the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her. So he did exactly what God told him to do and to say. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now in saying those words, he is immediately not just speaking as an angel, which is pretty startling and staggering in and of itself, but that the Lord has sent him to speak to Mary. A one-on-one -on -one conversation. So God sent the angel Gabriel from heaven to earth, to Nazareth, in Galilee, to one woman who was a virgin, whose name was Mary, with some good news as described here. Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is about God. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. So clearly the angel saw that she was either upset or could read her supernaturally. But he said, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Again, that reflection that this is something because you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. So you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. A child, a man-child, and a named man-child, Jesus. That's the revelation. Who is this Jesus? He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This child you're to bear will sit on the throne of David, will rule Israel like Jacob, and the kingdom he will reign over will be forever, never end. Now what's interesting to me is, as startling as that information is, Mary goes back to the original problem. She's a virgin, virgin, has not known a man, and so she asks this question, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a supernatural event. The Holy Spirit of the living God will come on you and overshadow you. And so that you will give birth to, or conception of, this amazing Holy One who will be called the Son of God. Son of the Most High, now Son of God. And even Elizabeth As if to back this up, the angel tells about Elizabeth. And what he's saying about her is is supernatural. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary's humble response, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Now there's nothing day to day about that event. It is God intervening in history at a singular moment on which the whole of history would turn. The incarnation God Almighty, the Spirit of the living God, entering into humanity in flesh in the person of Jesus, second person of the Trinity, via the Virgin Mary, a supernatural conception in the womb. God himself is the Father. Jesus will be called the Son of God. God named Jesus. You will call his name Jesus That wasn't anybody else's idea but God's. The name Jesus meaning Savior. Joseph, who had a similar vision recorded in Matthew, was told you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. A supernatural intervention. Having belabored that point, let me take you to another very human experience of the supernatural, as recorded by a Dr. Ralph Harlow. And he gives his credentials early in this account because what he's about to share with us is just about as incredible as what you've heard. Not quite, 
Because the incarnation of the living God into history was something amazing, beyond parallel. But he says of himself, I have a BA from Harvard, an MA from Columbia, New York, and a PhD from Hartford Theological Seminary. He actually is taught at Smith College, very private, upscale, aristocratic women's college in Connecticut. So he's giving these credentials because on an occasion in spring, he was walking with his wife in New England in the woods. He said the woods were radiant and calm, showing new life bursting from the earth. This day we were especially happy and peaceful. We chatted sporadically with great gaps of satisfying Silence between our sentences. And then, from behind us, we heard the murmur of muted voices in the distance. And I said to Marion, we have company in the woods this morning. Marion turned, nodding, to look. We saw nothing, but the voices were coming nearer at a faster pace than we were walking. And we knew that the stranger would soon overtake us. And then we perceived that the sounds were not only behind us, but above us. And we looked up. And about ten feet above us, and slightly to our left, was a floating group of glorious, beautiful creatures that glowed with spiritual beauty. We stopped and stared as they passed above us. There were six of them, young, beautiful women, dressed in flowing white garments and engaged in earnest conversation. If they were aware of our existence, they gave no indication of it. (coughs) Their faces were perfectly clear to us, And one woman, slightly older than the rest, was especially beautiful. Her dark hair was pulled back in what today we would call a ponytail. And although I cannot say it was bound at the back of her head, it appeared to be. She was talking intently to a younger spirit, whose back was toward us, and who looked up into the face of the woman who was talking. They seemed to float past us, and their graceful motion seemed natural, as gentle and as peaceful as the morning itself. As they passed their conversation, it grew fainter and fainter, until it faded out entirely, and we stood transfixed on the spot, still holding hands, and still with the vision before our eyes." Dr. Harlow, knowing that what they had just seen, at least he thought they had both seen at the same time, was absolutely transfixed, but concerned to know that what he saw was real. And they sat sat down on a fallen log along the walk that they were taking, and he said to his wife, Marion, 
please tell me exactly what you just saw and experienced. And he goes on to say, she described exactly what I saw and experienced. And he goes on to say, it gave reality to the Christmas account of the angel coming to Mary and giving her that news. Now, you and I don't get to see angels. We may have visited with them unawares, but unaware we remained. And from time to time, I, I do hear accounts, even from friends of mine, of somebody who turned up and then wasn't really there afterwards, and some miraculous word was spoken or an account of an action given. I've not had that myself. My brother, now with the Lord, when he came to the Lord, heard God speak to him. I've never heard that. And one man in my home group, just in the last several months, came and shared with our home group that God spoke audibly to him, that he had plans for him. I've never had that. But I tell you this, just as it's described here about the Spirit of God coming down on Mary and overshadowing her and her giving supernatural conception to a child, a man-child, a God-man-child, whose father was God in heaven and whose name was Jesus. That just as that happens... So in this gathering here this evening, for as I've said, one or two or a half a dozen or a dozen of you, supernaturally, God in eternity will enter into space and time and into your life. And you will be made new, a new creation. And our coming to faith in Jesus, and as Jesus describes it, being born again spiritually. That is his, his spiritual life coming into us and making us a new creation is a God event. I was 18 when that happened for me. And I'm here preaching tonight because it happened to me. And once I'd finished my engineering, gave myself to preaching the gospel and went off to seminary and trained for the ministry so that I might spend the rest of my life speaking with the kind of energy that God generates in me, that the ordinary person just like you might experience God supernaturally, working in you as by faith you yield your life to him. We just had a service in here that was virtually standing room only, the chairs at the back of the church had to be put in there because we filled up all the pews in the church. Our five o'clock service was probably the largest service we've ever had in this church. And it was spectacular. And God was at work and spoke through Pastor Jared. And in the same way, he is at work in this congregation. But between the services, I was sitting in my office preparing for this address when I get a text message from a woman in our church 
who recently discovered she had stage 4 cancer, has already had a mastectomy. They're now planning both the radiation and the chemical treatment of her. And here was the text message from both this woman and her husband. Saying, dear pastor, our dear pastor, and our pastor's wife, Kathy. Merry Christmas. We are believing and trusting in Jesus because years ago, listening to you preach, we gave him our very lives and hearts. I texted back, dear children in the faith, sounds almost like the Apostle John, dear children in the faith, thank you for your word. It was the inspiration to me as I prepare to go and preach again. Are you that one? The Bible says very plainly, Jesus speaking, that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 who needed no repentance. They throw a party in heaven when that supernatural occurrence takes place of the Spirit of God coming into a human life. Not that you bear a child, but you become a child of God, born again spiritually and made new by a miraculous intervention of God himself in your life. Do you want that? It comes as a gift. The real gift at Christmas is Jesus himself. The reason we give gifts, have you ever said, why do we give gifts to each other at Christmas? Because it's near the end of the year, we better spend some more money? We give gifts not because Santa Claus came, but because Jesus came as a gift from Almighty God. We give gifts in honor of that great gift. When the prophet Isaiah spoke of Jesus coming, these were his words, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. And then he goes on to say, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and you can hear the rest of Handel's Messiah now singing out about this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace. Of his government there will be no end. But unto you a child is born, and unto you a son is given. A son is given. The gift of a son. God the Father loving us enough to give us his son. Any number of years ago, I think it was about a decade ago, because the lad's now 10 years old. But one of the men on our staff, Jack Caldwell, on our staff at the time, 
His daughter had a son. It was a little baby. And I was speaking at the equivalent of our five o'clock service with all the younger families and the place absolutely packed out. And what I got the grandfather to do, that is Jack Caldwell, to put that baby in a box like a package, dress up as a mailman, and come running down this aisle in the middle of the service with this box saying, special delivery, special delivery. So he's shouting out, the whole congregation is taken. And he comes looking like a mailman, comes up these steps with this box. The Lord's table at that point was up here. And I put the box on the table, open up the wrapping. And what do you think I took out? A real live baby. The parents were horrified. I mean, Jack had been running down the aisle with his box, all wrapped nicely as a present. And I took out the baby. The kids loved it. So I'm standing up here with a baby, with the grandfather next to me dressed as a mailman. And I said, this is the gift. Jesus is the gift. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God gave his son, born of the Virgin Mary. And as we said in that creed, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day rose again. Alive again. But the miracle of his coming, as well as the miracle of his life, as well as the miracle of his death, as well as the miracle of his resurrection, is the miracle that comes with Jesus into our lives when we receive him. We receive him. By his spirit, he will come and dwell in us. And the scripture says he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in. And that's the event. Supernatural. Have you ever received that gift? It is a gift. It's a lie to think that you have to try and be good enough to earn your way into heaven. How good is good enough? Have you ever asked that question, if you think that? My mother taught me one piece of theology. We never went to church, but me and my brothers were such rascals, she said, when I'm not around, God is. And he keeps account of everything you have ever done wrong. He wasn't making a list about what was right, what you've done wrong, and one day he will get you for it. (laughs) That didn't slow us down much. But the reality that God did keep an account, how do you get rid of all the stuff you've done wrong? Well, then we get the idea, look, we're... God's got scales. 
This is another misconception. A misconception. Do not think I'm preaching this as the truth. This is a lie. That you put all the bad stuff in this side and all the good stuff in this side and if you can get the good to outweigh the bad because God grades on the curve, then he'll take you in. That's a lie. What God does is take all the filth. And the Bible actually says concerning all the good things we do, they're actually like filthy rags anyway. Because every good thing we do is tainted with some measure of pride or ego or self You know, it's about us, not about the gift or the person. It all gets mixed up and muddled because we ourselves are the problem, just as Jesus himself is the gift who solves the problem. And the gift is this, that when you invite Christ in, all your sins are obliterated on the cross. He died to take your guilt and the judgment that you and I deserve so that we can be forgiven, cleaned off the old stuff, and then filled with himself and made a new creation. And it's a gift. All you have to do is receive the gift of Jesus into your life. You can't earn it. I don't know that any of you would ever stand up and say that you deserve it. And you can't buy it. Why? Because it is a gift. Over the years... My wife has purchased some very nice things for me as a gift. Can I tell you, never once, though I must say it might have crossed my mind, I never once said, what did you pay for that? Nor did I say, well, what can I do to earn or deserve this? Either of those comments, and one or two others like it, would ruin the gift. She bought me a gift. She gave it to me as a gift. Reality here this evening is beneath God's Christmas tree is a gift with your name on it. It's a gift. Jesus has paid for it. You could never pay for it and survive. You'd be lost in hell. Jesus took hell for you on the cross so that you could be forgiven and made new. And he is here, and he is the gift. I've come that you might have life, said Jesus, and have it in all its fullness. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me, said Jesus, will never die. Well, this body dies, but you, the real you, lives forever with him. A woman in this congregation whose husband died several years ago sent this poem to me written by herself, that is, herself writing it, as if her husband was sending a letter to her from heaven. So here's the wife who's lost her husband 
writing this first Christmas in heaven, it's called, by her, concerning the death of her husband. I've had my first Christmas in heaven, a glorious, wonderful day. I stood with the saints of the ages who found Christ, the truth and the way. I sang with the heavenly choir, just think, who long to so sing. And oh, what celestial music we brought to our Savior and King. We sang the glad songs of redemption, how Jesus to Bethlehem came, and how they called his name Jesus, that all might be saved through his name. We sang once again with the angels the song that they sang that blessed morn, when shepherds first heard the glad story that Jesus the Savior was born. Oh, darling, I wish you had been here No Christmas on earth could compare with all the rapture and glory we witnessed in heaven so fair. You know how I always loved Christmas. It seems such a wonderful day with all my loved ones around me, the children so happy at play. Yes, now I can see why I loved it and oh, what a joy it will be when you and my loved ones are with me to share in the glories I see. O dear ones on earth, here's my greeting. Look up till the day star appears, and oh, what a Christmas awaits us beyond all the partings and tears. Bow your heads and pray with me, will you? We're going to speak to this Lord Jesus, who is the gift He's present right here. He loves you as much right now as when he came. He loves you as much right now as when he died on the cross. You've got to get that in your mind, please. He loves you that much. And he comes to you to welcome you, to seek you out. And if you've never received the gift of Jesus into your life, now is the moment. For some of you, this is a welcome back home. You did this years ago, somewhere, sometime, and you remember it keenly. But right now, because of where you've been since then, Jesus is saying, come home. Come home. To you. How do you do that? You make my words your words and speak to him. Say to him. In fact, I'm going to ask you all to say this out loud so that for many of you this will be just a re-commitment. A new beginning as you come to a new year. And for several of you this will be the absolute 
making of a new life. The miracle of God's Spirit entering you. Say out loud with me, each of you, speaking to the Lord Jesus, and say to him, Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for giving yourself for me. Thank you for coming to me tonight. I want you to come into my life, Lord Jesus. Fill me with yourself. Drive out the darkness and the doubt. Fill me with the light of your life. Fill me with your spirit. I begin again with you, Lord Jesus. I give you back my life. The life for which you died. And thank you for the gift of heaven. The gift for which you died. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I love you.